to um, look at what was going on and, and have some input, you know, give some leadership to what God was doing there. And he got there and encouraged him. And he goes and gets Paul, who at the time was still called Saul, and brings him to Antioch. And so they begin to, you know, use the prophetic anointing to teach and preach to the people in Antioch. And then in verse 27, it says, In those days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. And, uh, and then one named Ag Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So, you know, the Lord was really moving, and, and God sent prophets to the church. And I would think we need to be asking God to send us prophets, don't we? Because the prophets really, these prophets were, you know, Agabus was a pretty high level, I mean, he held the office of a prophet in the New Testament. He was able to tell, you know, foretell what was going to happen and give some direct, you know, give some input. This is what is going to happen in the world. This is what's going to happen with the climate. So the church could prepare themselves for what was going to happen. And, and the way they prepared themselves, I told you last week, they gave. And, you know, and we really need to have given hearts. And I think somehow the prophetic anointing can release that in people. You know, I think Americans want to gather to themselves. And I think one of the reasons we, we're like that is because we've lacked this prophetic anointing in our midst. And the, but the prophetic anointing will stir you up to the spirit realm. It will stir you up to what God is doing and give you boldness to be able to let go of your resources when the prophetic anointing is saying, bad times are coming. You know, and so you see, it didn't make sense what they were doing, really, if you think about it. If we hear bad times, we want to start drawing in, right? You know, and get ready. And But they were doing opposite. You don't do stuff like that just because it's the right thing to do. You do it because there's this anointing, there's this unction from God come, you know, being released for you to do it. Amen? So we really need to cry out for God to release the prophetic anointing to us. So we can do the things and cooperate with the things that God is doing in the earth. Otherwise, we're going to be doing the wrong thing. You, you hear what I'm saying to you? So I believe it's just important, you know, that we really ask God, please send us prophets. Send us prophets. You know, just like you did in the book of Acts. So we can, you know, we can do the right things. But that's really not what I wanted to share with you, actually. I just, you know, reading that sort of excite, exciting to me. Um, but what I did want to, I, did, I wanted to read it to kind of give you some background on what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you. I want, how many in this room feel like they have a call in their life? Raise your hand. All right. How many in this room feel like they've had a lot of failure and difficulty in their life, regardless of whether you feel called or not? So everybody, everybody who raised their hand, this is who I want to talk to this morning. Okay, everybody who you know, you can, everybody else can listen in. But this is really who I'm, I'm. I want to talk to you if you feel like God has a call on your life. You feel like God has something for you. Okay, whatever it may be, um, and especially those who feel that, but feel like they're, they have a lot of failure and they have a lot of disappointment and disillusionment that happens in their life. You know, I think God's got something to say to you this morning. 
you know, to help you down, you know, over the long haul. Look in verse uh, 12. You know, and, and, and not Acts 12, verse 12, I'm sorry. Um, Herod cut the apostle James of Peter, James, and John's head off in Acts chapter 12. Just flat cut his head off. Said it beheaded him. I mean, here's one of the, here's one of God's greatest apostles was suddenly taken from the church. And it says in Acts 12 that it got, you know, the, lead, the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders got so happy about that happening because they viewed, you know, the church as their enemy that Herod grabbed Peter and threw Peter in jail and was going to do the same thing to Peter. So Peter's thrown up here in jail and the church all of a sudden realized, man, we just lost James, man. I mean, can you imagine how they felt losing James the apostle, a guy who walked with Jesus for three years? And suddenly they lost him. It's like he was snatched away from them. And now Peter's fixing to be snatched away from them. So they got serious all of a sudden. And, and got their, you know, they gathered together in a home and they started really praying and seeking the Lord. And the Lord miraculously went and sent an angel to Peter in the jail and opened the gates of the jail and took his chains off and led him right out of the jail and led him to the house where this church was gathered praying, okay? And the house was the house of this lady named Mary, and she had a son named John, okay? So verse 12, it says, So when he, when he had considered this, Peter, uh, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So that's the first time in the Bible this man named John Mark shows up by name, okay? His mama had a prayer meeting in his house. Now look down in verse 25 um, of Acts 12, and it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. Remember I just told you that they took up an offering and they sent Barnabas and Saul, they took up the offering in Antioch, they sent Barnabas and Saul down to Jerusalem to give them the money, Okay? That's what we're talking about here. They had went to Jerusalem, and now it says uh, they had fulfilled their ministry. In other words, they took the money, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. You got that? Everybody follow me? That's the second time John Mark shows up in the Bible. Um, Paul and Barnabas go to Jerusalem. They get ready to go back to Antioch. They take this guy, John Mark, with them. All right? Are you all with me? Because I, I just want to take you through some events that happened in John Mark's life. Now, uh, chapter 13, verse 4 and 5. Um, in chapter 13, of course, the, Paul and Barnabas were sent out as missionaries. Chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. The, the church was there praying, ministering to the Lord, and the Lord said, Set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to do. So the church laid hands on them, and sent them to go out to be missionaries, to go out in the very first missionary, apostolic missionary uh, trip there, there is recorded in the Bible. Verse 4. Y are you with me? It says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. They also had John 
as their assistant. Okay? So they took John Mark with them on the very first apostolic journey. Did you catch that? That's, that's the next time he shows up in the Bible. Now, let's turn over to uh, chapter 15 of Acts. And we're going to read verse 36 through 40. Acts chapter 15, verse 36 through 40. Give you a lot of Bible verses to read. This is so important to you. This is very important what I'm sharing with you. I know I'm just reading Bible verses and commenting on them, but this is, this is, can impact your life if, if you'll let it. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us know, now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of God and see how they're doing. In other words, they had, they had went and done, fulfilled their mission and on the first, first apostolic mission. They, they did it all. They got back home. They were back in Antioch. They'd done everything they were doing, going to do. And then Paul decides, I want to go back. I want to go back and check on these churches we started. I want to go back and check on these people who got saved and make sure they're okay. I, just, I need to go back and make sure they're okay. Go back and the people I put in leadership, make sure they're, they're good leaders, make sure they're taking care of these people, make sure these, these people are really abiding in the Lord and, and, and prospering in God. Well, it sounds like a great idea. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. But Paul insisted they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. In other words, from Paul's perspective, John Mark just didn't quit and go home. John Mark deserted them. He deserted them. He, you know, he, he was with them. He had this opportunity to be with these guys because he was a young guy. He was there to help them, to serve them. And what happened, he got out there and got in the middle of what they were doing and found out this thing called ministry is not so easy and it's not so fun. There's difficulties associated with it. There's trials to be associated with it. And he bailed out on them. Anybody ever bailed out on something? He got scared. He got, you know, I don't want to do this no more. This is not so glamorous like it was when we was back in the prayer meeting at home, safe, and talking about what God was going to do. Now I'm out here. People don't like me. People want to kill me. I'm hanging around these two guys. They're crazy. You know, Barnabas and Paul, they're, they're fanatics. They're doing stuff to jeopardize my life. Forget this, man. I, I'm not doing it. And, and, and so that's what he did. Well, they get to go on the second journey. Paul wants to go on this next journey. Barnabas, because this is the reason he was, because he was John Mark's cousin, he wanted to you know, have mercy on him and take him back. Paul was saying, I'm not going to have anything to do with this guy. This guy's not trustworthy. And uh, Paul says they should not take with them the one who departed. Verse 39, Then the contention became so sharp that when they had parted from one another, in other words, this is what it's saying, Paul and Barnabas got in a big fight over this deal. They got in a big argument. Got in such a big argument that Paul and Barnabas split up. In other words, there was a split in the ministry team. Paul went one way, Barnabas went the other way. It's just what it says. But Paul, it says that Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed being commended by the brethren to the grace of God and went on through Assyria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So this is a, this is a terrible thing, but uh, Barnabas, his name is mentioned 24 times in the book of Acts. Okay? Verse 39 is the last time you hear Barnabas' name in the Bible. His name is never mentioned again from this point on. In other words, what Barnabas did cost Barnabas. 
And it says that Paul was commended by the brethren to the grace of God. In other words, the brethren were with Paul. They didn't believe in this guy named John Mark. They didn't believe he should be going. And when Paul decided, I'm not taking, I'm taking this other guy, Silas, the, the, the church, the people there were saying, yeah, that's the right thing to do. It's the wrong thing to take this other guy. Y'all with me? In other words, they were seeing this John Mark as being immature and rebellious and not trustworthy. Now, turn over to Colossians. We're going to go to the next time. These are just the, the order in the book. And then I'll try to help you get some more sense out of this. Colossians 4.10. Are y'all with me so far? It says in, in Colossians 4.10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Okay, my fellow prisoner greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And then in parentheses, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. In other words, this is, this is what he was trying to say to him. Obviously, the churches had heard about John Mark. Okay? And John Mark had a bad reputation. But Paul's saying to the church, you see, something was going on behind the scenes that the Bible don't really tell us what it was. But basically what was happening was, Paul was saying, don't reject this guy, Mark. Receive him. Welcome him. Don't look at him like he's a failure. Don't look like, you know, he, you know, he caused division. He, he, he hurt my relationship with Barnabas. He hurt Barnabas. He hurt me. He hurt the work of the Lord. You know, he caused people to stumble. But don't, you know, Paul was saying at this point, I want you to welcome this guy. That's, that's what he was saying. And he wouldn't have said that if there wouldn't have been a reason for him not to. Are you, you with me so far? All right, now turn over to Second Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4. And we're going to read verse 10 and 11. Now, of course, 2 Timothy is the last book that Paul wrote before he died. He was at, you know, at this point in time, Paul was in prison. He was about, to, you know, he was at the end of his life. You know, his, his deal was about over with. And, uh, 2 Timothy 4.10, this is what he's talking about, his situation. Number one, for De Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed from Thessalonica. Okay, so how many people in here are Demas's this morning? So here's the sad thing about this. Is the, there's a big difference between Demas and John Mark. This is the, yeah, I think Demas is mentioned two times in the Bible. This is the last time he's mentioned. In other words, the last thing the Bible says about Demas, Demas is that he had forsaken the Lord, having loved this present world, having loved the world. Last thing I ever said about this man. That, that tells you, that's not a good testimony for you, that to be in the Bible about you. And you see, how many in this room have, loves this present world more than they do the Lord? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But it's not a good thing. For demons has forsaken me. That's what Paul was saying. He's forsaken me. Same thing John Mark did, but the Bible had more to say about John Mark. Then he goes, Increases for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Only Luke, the guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Listen to this now. Get Mark and bring him with you. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. 
So, you can see at the end of Paul's life, he's saying, not only is he saying, you guys need to welcome Mark, you need to be good to Mark, you need to bless Mark. He's saying something way beyond that. He's saying, I need Mark. I need this man. So, are you with me? See, something happened in Mark's life. Something happened in his life from the time him and Barnabas tried to go on this ministry trip, which obviously didn't amount to anything, or, you know, it didn't, you know, in the Lord's eyes, he didn't want to put it in the Bible. Something happened. There was a change in his life, so much of a change that the guy who Paul at one point did not want to have anything to do with, wouldn't let him go on any ministry trip with him. Paul, at the end of his life, where, you know, he's desperate at the end of his life. He's, you know, he's, he's needy at the end of his life. He's crying out and saying, I need this person. You got that? So something completely radically changed with, with Mark. Something radically changed with him. Now turn over to 1 Peter 5. I'll tell you what radically changed with him. 1 Peter 5. Okay, verse 12 through 13. Are y'all with me? Don't be going to sleep on me. Because we're getting to the punchline. 1 Peter 5, verse 12 and 13. By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you. Now, that in the Bible, when they talk about Babylon in the New Testament, you find it in, in Re- Revelation, they're talking about the church in Rome, basically. That's what historians believe because they didn't want to identify who the church was because it was an underground church. And if they got identified, they would, you know, be subject to murder, being murdered. So that's what she who was in Babylon. They were, Rome was, was, was Babylon. She's the church, right? Like we were saying, she's the wife of Christ. So that's, you know, it was sort of a coded thing. Like when Christina Casman went off to, to China, she didn't tell anybody where she was going. She called the place she was going Firecracker City. Because she couldn't afford to be communicating, I'm going over to such and such city in China to to preach the gospel, you know. So it was Firecracker City, was where she went. All right, she greets you, and so does Mark. Everybody say Mark. My my son, Mark, my son. And I'm gonna, let me just say this: This is what happened in John Mark's life. Those three little words, Mark. My son. See, a lot of people think that Barnabas was able to help Mark. But that's really not really what happened, not according to those three little words. Remember last week when I talked to you about Peter? Everybody, the people here, how Peter was an absolute failure and how the Lord went to Peter and restored Peter and really spoke into his life, spoke into his, his identity, spoke all these things into his life to restore him and bring help him to come in to what God had for his life. And that was in John 21. Read that little story on the beach. Well, guess what? You see, that thing didn't just stop with Peter. Because, see, what Peter did that at that point in time, Paul would not do for whatever reasons. Maybe he just couldn't afford to do it. Okay? Barnabas didn't do it for whatever reasons. 
But I promise you, this is what happened. Although we really have no real account in the Bible, John Mark wound up going back home. Totally, absolutely humili humiliated and defeated in the eyes of Christians. A total failure. Because he had an opportunity of a lifetime. He had been with, at that point in time, two of the greatest leaders in the church. Had an opportunity to be with them, to serve them, be associated with them, and completely blew it, completely let them down. Okay? So he gets back home. I imagine he's probably messed up. Wouldn't he be messed up? He was messed up. His life was ruined in one sense as far as ministry was concerned because he was a failure. So Peter comes to him, shows up at his house one day, and says this, John Mark, guess what? Let me tell you a story about what I did to Jesus himself. Let me tell you how when Jesus was in his greatest hour of need, I absolutely denied him with cursing. I just didn't reject another Christian. I rejected the Lord Himself when He was in His greatest moment of need. I disassociated myself with Him. And let me tell you what He did for me. Because I'm going to do what He did for me for you. I'm going to give you something that He gave me. I'm going to impart something to you that Jesus imparted to me. Remember last week I said we need to look at this thing from God's perspective? Everybody in this room needs to have that experience with Jesus. Everybody in this room needs for God to come and speak into your life, for God to let you know that He loves you not based on what you've done or what you're going to do, but He loves you because He loves Himself. Yeah. That's good. Now turn over to Mark. Turn over to Mark 14. Just, just let me try to help make this make sense. Are y'all with me on this? Now, now, this is the point. You see, God, this stuff is not in the Bible for us to say that. Yeah, that was great. I'm glad Peter did that. Lord, bless his soul. This stuff is in the Bible because God is wanting us to do this kind of stuff. And the, and the church is full of failures. You, you know, we, are, we have lots of people who have failed. We have lots of people who have fallen. And there needs to be some people who can pick them up. There needs to be some people who can do what Peter did to Mark. That's what God's calling us to do as Christians. All right, Mark 14, let me read verse 50 through 52 with you. This is, you know, back, back before, you know, before Jesus was hung on the cross. But he was betrayed, he was arrested in Gethsemane. We're in Gethsemane. It says, uh, verse 50, they all forsook him and fled. Everybody ran away, all the disciples, all the people who were there with him because they were afraid. It says, now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And this is one of those crazy things in the Bible, I think. And the young man, and the young men laid hold of him. In other words, there was this young man who had this, whatever they wore back then, but he didn't have any underwear, okay? That's the bottom line. He didn't have no underwear on. He had his outer clothes on. He had his T-shirt and his, his jeans on. And, our, and he was following. He was seeing all this stuff happening with the Lord, and he was following. And, there, and, and then these, these Roman guards, young guys, saw him. They went to lay hands on him, and he took off running. And when he did, they ripped his clothes off. And so there he is. He didn't have no underwear on. So I tell you, this crazy stuff in the Bible. It says that he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. 
He fled naked. I mean, how humiliating can that get? Okay? Now, this is, this is what historians and Bible scholars believe. They believe that young man was John Mark. They believe that young man was John Mark. That that is where he first appeared in the Bible. Running away naked. Now, turn to Mark 1. Okay? And I want you to look at what it says right here. It says, the gospel according to who? The gospel according to Mark. This Mark is that same Mark that ran around naked. This Mark is that same Mark who deserted Paul and caused a con con conflict in Paul and Barnabas. This Mark is the same guy who wrote the gospel of Mark. You see what I'm saying? This is the same guy. I want you to get this in your heart. This is the same failure. This is the same screw-up. This is the same guy who totally blew it, who wrote one of the four Gospels. He wrote one of the four Gospels. And why did he write one of those four Gospels? He wrote one of those four Gospels because one person, namely Peter, was willing to go to this person who was a total failure and a total reject and tell him, I was a total failure, I was a total reject, I got out of it, I can show you how to get out of it. I can show you how to come into everything God has for you. That's why people call the Gospel of Mark, really they say it's Peter's Gospel. Because Mark got all his information from Peter. That's, that's how it was written. Peter fed him the information and told him, this is really what happened. I was there. I saw it. I saw it all. Now turn to Mark. 10. Are y'all with me? Mark 10, verse 42. This, is, this Mark 10, verse 42 through 45 is the theme of the Gospel of Mark. This, it's like this, this is the central point in the whole book. These verses I'm fixing. This is the whole book. So all around, it's, it, it's all built on, on these verses right here. It says, Jesus, in verse 42, Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, the theme of the Gospel of Mark that John Mark, the failure, wrote was this, serving others and making sacrifices. That's the whole theme of this book, serving others and making sacrifices. 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 Let, let's get this. This is not American. This is not what we think. We want to be served. We want somebody else to make the sacrifices. We want somebody else to do it. We want Nettie to, to, to get this kid and adopt him. We want somebody else to do it. Serving others and making sacrifices. That's the gospel message for Christians. 
That's what God's called you and I to do. You know why you're unhappy? You know why you're unfulfilled? Because you're not serving others and making sacrifices. That's why you have an unfulfilled Christian life. That's why you, you spend all your time griping about people who are trying to serve the Lord and making sacrifices. You know? Because you don't have anything to do, so you're unhappy. And God is calling us to this. This is the true message of the book of Mark. Serve others. Make sacrifices. Serve others. Make sacrifices. That's what God is crying out to the church now. Serve others. Make sacrifices. Serve others. Make sacrifices. Serve others. Make sacrifices. You think you can remember that now? <laughs> Here's the truth. It's not easy. It's not easy. You're going to fail. If you feel like God's got a call on your life, you're going to go through failure. You're going to go dis through disillusionment. You're going to go through disappointment. Things are not going to work the way you thought they are. You're going to feel like God has let you down. But I'm going to tell you something. God will never feel like you have let Him down. He don't think that. Now, if you're willing to take this pill... I think it could change your life. I really do. I think it can change your life if you're willing to swallow this pill. But the pill don't go down easy. I was talking to uh, you know, y'all know William Bellamy. He called yesterday to tell everybody goodbye. He's moving to Oklahoma. He's taking his family and moving to Oklahoma. And, you know, he's been going to ministry school out there. Uh, somebody, Robeson, Nick, what is it, Dave, Dave Robeson? And this is what he said to me. He said, you know, I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do, but, man, it's not easy. It's awfully hard. It's awfully hard to pick your family up and move them away from home. You've always known. It's awfully hard. I'm not saying this is going to be easy. Okay? I'm not saying that you're not going to be a failure. I'm not saying you're not going to have disappointment. You're going to have all those things. Well, you know, join the club. You know, let's get in this club together. Disappointment, disillusionment, failure. That's the gospel message for those who would decide to serve Jesus. Now, it don't sound pretty, but I'm going to tell you something. We wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have this gospel of Mark today if a guy who was a terrible failure wouldn't, wouldn't have been willing to allow the Lord to do something in his life and didn't allow to, to pass it on. We wouldn't have it. We would not have it. And what I want to tell you, this is what God's calling us to do. And I tell you it's the truth. I tell you it's the truth. 